Network and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Um, and also right here on NAN, 10 a.m. Superstation, WFDF. Uh, call in numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Okay. Uh, and follow us on our social media platforms. Turn on live notifications so you know when we go live. So um, I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday. We talked about Katanji Brown Jackson. Roland had a really good panel, but he was actually at the White House and he filmed, uh, uh, he was in the Rose Garden. He filmed the uh, presentation and he filmed the remarks from uh, Katanji Brown Jackson and President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris. But also he was on the ground talking to people who attended the ceremony and got their response also. So check that out. Uh, Roland Martin on Facebook, Roland Martin on YouTube. That's from uh, Friday, uh, April 8th. But we'll talk about the confirmation of Katanji Brown Jackson. We'll talk about Will Smith being banned uh, from the Oscars for 10 years. Do you think it was uh, severe? Uh, I, I think it's I think it's severe, but I also think they're trying to send a message. You know, I've been following this. You know, we've been talking about this here on, on this show also. But then also out of uh, Minnesota, uh, Amir Locke, we got the news uh, this week. Uh, it was on uh, Wednesday. We got the news Wednesday that there would be no charges in the uh, death of Amir Locke. Okay. So Amir Locke was 22 years old, African-American man. And he was legally armed and the police uh, entered into uh, uh, an apartment. He was at his relative, I think it was his cousin. And um, they had a no knock warrant and they entered in and he had a uh, he had a gun legally armed. And according to his mother, he had a license to carry also. And he was underneath a sheet. It appears he was asleep. Um, and when the officers saw the gun, and uh, shot him and killed him, okay? So we're going to share, there was a press conference on Wednesday uh, that the uh, Hennepin County prosecutor and um, uh, Minnesota State's prosecutor, I mean, um, yeah, uh, Minnesota State's prosecutor, um, Keith, uh, Keith Ellison held, okay? And so we'll talk about that also. All right. Now, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct your own behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events, politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can sign up for our email newsletter there uh, as well. Okay, and I'll also give you information about the online classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays and the uh, 
One Africa Power and Unity Conference is coming to Detroit uh, April 30th through uh, May 1st at the Doubletree Hotel. Dr. Linda Jeffries will be there. Uh, Professor James Small, Dr. Malefi Ketia Asante, Dr. Roslyn Jeffries, and others. Okay, so uh, we're coming up on a break shortly. Calling numbers 313-778-7600 is the calling number. Calling number if you have a question or comment. Uh, Jalen, we're going to go to clip one here in just a second. Okay, I just sent that to you. We're going to clip one uh, in just a minute here. So I want to look at this article here. Hollywood Reporter had a good piece on this. And then also, um, also Good Morning America. All right, Good Morning America. And to get more information uh, on whether this was too severe or not, I reached out to my girl, uh, Nikki Rich who hosts the Nikki Rich show. Nikki Rich interviews celebrities for a living. Um, she's been on the red carpet. She has been to the Oscars. She's interviewed people at the Oscars. So I talked to her Friday right before I did a Roland Martin show. And she said she thought the 10 years was severe. Also, she thought uh, maybe two years would be uh, more in line. Okay. She thought 10 years was, she thought 10 years was severe. Okay. So you can check out Nikki, Nikki Rich on YouTube and Facebook. All right. Um, let me pull up this. Uh, let me pull up this article here from uh, good morning America in uh, just a second here. So good morning America had a piece um, Academy bands, Will Smith from attending Oscars for 10 years, Academy bands, Will Smith, for attending Oscar for, from attending Oscars for uh for 10 years. So we, uh this is from Friday, April 8th, 2022. And I want to pull this up here. Okay, so the Academy of Motion Picture, Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, uh Board of Governors has banned Will Smith from attending any Academy event or program, including the Oscars for, for 10 years. So it's not just the Oscars, it's any Academy uh, event or program, including the Oscars for 10 years. They're trying to send a clear message. Now, they could have could have taken his Oscar, and some people say, oh, they, they weren't going to do that. Well, it was really 50-50. It is 54 board members. I read an article from, um, I think it was the New York Post that talked about this was leading up to uh, the vote that took place on Friday, uh, April 8th. And it was 50-50 uh, that they were going to take his Oscar back. All right. So now some people say, well, what about Roman Polanski? What, what about uh, uh, Harvey Weinstein? Things like this. Well, you know, it was 50-50. Okay. So it was close. The board, quote, the board has decided for a period, has decided that for a period of 10 years from 8th, uh, 2022, uh, Mr. Smith shall not be permitted to attend any academy events or programs in person or virtually, including but not limited to the academy awards. Reads a letter from the academy signed by academy uh, president David Rubin and CEO Don Hudson announcing the decision. Now, the Hollywood Reporter has a good article on this also, okay? This disciplinary uh, decision comes after the viral moment 
at the 2022 Oscars when Will Smith walked on stage and slapped Chris Rock after uh, Chris Rock made a joke about uh, uh, Jada Pickett Smith, Will Smith's wife. Uh, I want to go to, uh, we'll go to clip one in just a second here, Jay. The Academy apologized for the incident and uh, for, for how the incident was handled on its part, saying it was, quote, unprepared for the unprecedented, unprepared for the unprecedented. The, le the letter also said this outcome is a step toward a larger goal of protecting the safety of our performers and guests and restoring trust in the academy, protecting the safety of our performers and guests and restoring trust in the academy. The academy concluded by saying it hoped this quote can begin a time of healing and restoration for all involved and impacted. Now I wanna go to um, clip number one here. This is, uh, clip one should be from Good Morning America, uh, NBC News. I want to go to clip number one from NBC News from Friday, April 8th. Let's go to clip uh, number one, Jalen. Big news for the Academy Board of Governors, banning Will Smith from all Academy events for 10 years, a decade. Want to get right to it. NBC News correspondent Steve Patterson is following us for us from L.A. Steve, good to talk to you. Uh, what did the Board of Governors say here? Well, Yasmin, start with the decision and the obvious. Ten years without one of Hollywood's biggest stars is a long time compared to what many experts were expecting or predicting. And it's a definable amount of time, which makes it a lot less likely that they'll all of a sudden go back on their decision. This is a sentence of ten years. Obviously, it's far from the harshest penalty that could have been levied, which would have been to take his Oscar away entirely. That's not happening. The statement also doesn't say anything about and being blocked from being nominated or winning again if he is nominated. Uh, and, and penalties as severe as those were, were not expected in the first place. In really the history of the Academy, there's very little precedent for that happening. Not to mention, we've heard over and over again about the outcry. Former winners like Harvey Weinstein kept his Oscar. Roman Polanski kept his Oscar and so on. Uh, we did get a statement from the Academy. President David Rubin said, quote, this action we are taking today in response to Will Smith's behavior is a step toward a larger goal of protecting the safety of our performers and guests and restoring trust in the academy. We also hope this can begin a time of healing and restoration for all involved and impacted. That's directly from the academy. They deliberated for about three and a half hours. And remember, they moved up this date. They wanted to make this announcement today to move on uh, from the whole Will Smith saga. Are we hearing anything from Will Smith's camp or, or, or Chris Rock's camp with all this happening? Will Smith has been really been silent since yeah. he's made, you know, obviously a repeated number of statements uh, in the week that, you know, that slap uh, occurred. Chris Rock has been almost entirely mute. He's given to comedy shows where he's warned the crowd, look, I'm not going to talk about this. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not ready to make a statement or a comment. I think when both of those guys are ready to talk, it will come in an official format. It will come. Okay, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. Back that up about 20 or 30 seconds, Jalen. Uh, Calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Uh, also, when we come back from the break, we'll talk about Jessica Tanji Brown-Jackson uh, being confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court, and we'll talk about the ceremony that was held in the Rose Garden on Friday. We talked about this on Roland Martin Unfiltered. You're going to you're going to hear from some African-American women who talk about the impact that this has and also what needs to happen in the 2022 midterm elections. 
You listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on the Antenna on the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, April 10th, 2022. And we are live calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. All right. Uh, so right before the break, uh, we were talking about um, Will Smith being banned from the Oscars for 10 years. Uh, some people think it's severe. Uh, some people wanted his Oscar taken away, to be quite honest. Some people wanted it revoked. All right. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to talk about Jessica Tanji Brown Jackson also being confirmed to the White House. And on Friday, there was a ceremony in the Rose Garden to celebrate that as well. So you're going to hear a clip of that. And I was on Roller Martin and Filter. We discussed all of this on his show also. Okay, uh, Jalen, let's go back to this clip here from uh, NBC News. Occurred. Chris Rock has been almost entirely mute. He's given a few comedy shows where he's warned the crowd, look, I'm not going to talk about this. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not ready to make a statement or a comment. I think when both of those guys are ready to talk, it will come in an official format. It will come in some sort of big interview. But no, we've heard nothing so far from this point of statement or even from when that happened at the office. What about with the Board of Governors making sure something like this never happens again? I think the, obviously, look, the board wanted to make this statement today. They wanted to get this out of the way. That's number one. I think number two would be to address any safety concerns in the future, would be uh, to maybe levy harsher penalties, maybe update the guidelines. That's all stuff that will come at a later date, maybe ahead of the next Oscars, maybe an announcement that comes further down the line. There, you know, Remember, the meeting was supposed to be again uh, about two weeks from now. This was moved up specifically for this reasoning. This is the reasoning that we got today. Yeah. And I'm imagining, Steve, this ban does not affect um, his wife, Jada. No, no effect uh, or impact from the family. And again, no statement from the family that we've heard so far. Steve Patterson, thanks for being on this for us. We appreciate it. Okay. So that was from uh, NBC News from uh, Friday, April 8th. So I want people to understand the meeting of the Board of Governors, there are 54 members of the Board of Governors. That was supposed to take place April 18th. They moved the meeting up to April 8th because of the fallout behind all this. And we know that there have been uh, different abductions and movies, things like that, that have backed away from Will Smith. Now, he's going to recover from this. This ain't the worst thing that somebody could have done. He's going to recover from this. But, I mean, this is an example of how, you know, 
stupid actions can follow you. And, you know, hopefully, uh, <laughs> I don't know exactly what's going on with their relationship, but hopefully, you know, uh, they can fix things or if they're better separately or what have you, whatever. But, uh, I mean, this is crazy. The, this happened on like probably the biggest night of his life. Okay. Now I want to, uh, there was a article from, uh, we're going to clip two in just a second. Uh, uh, Jalen from clip two is from, um, the today show. We're going to that in just a minute here. So there was a article from, um, which one was that? I think it was New York post, um, Academy. Okay. Yeah. From the uh, New York post. This was from, uh, I think this was Wednesday. Uh, so there's two days before the meeting. This is from, uh, where they updated it. It was originally from Wednesday. Okay. Academy split over confiscating Will Smith's Oscar on decision day. Okay. Academy split over confiscating Will Smith's Oscar on decision day. Cause I'm telling you, some people wanted his Oscar taken back. Now I think that's a bridge too far. I think that's going way too far, but still it's like, Hey, uh, <laughs> so read this one also, uh, also from the Washington post. Uh, Will Smith's Oscar trial is a stalemate with Smith's fate over the slap slated to be decided today. The Academy of Motion Picture, Picture Arts and Sciences Board uh, is reportedly divided on whether to confiscate the, uh, the Hancock Actors Best Actor Award. They were reportedly split on whether to confiscate his Oscar or not, okay, uh, which would have drawn a lot of backlash as well if they did that to him. Okay. And, and you didn't take it away from Harvey Weinstein or Roman Polanski. But the other thing is, well, the counter to that would be, well, Will Smith did the infraction at the Oscars. So I think that would have been too far, but still. Okay. Now I want to go to this second clip here. This is from um, the Today Show. Let's go to uh, clip two, Jalen. This morning, Will Smith is waking up to his first full day of a decade-long ban from the Oscars. The star will get to keep the award he won on the same night and is eligible for future nominations, but barred from all Academy-related events, in person or virtual, for the next 10 years. The Academy's Board of Governors coming to a decision two weeks after the onstage slap that sent the star's life spiraling. The Academy calling Smith's behavior unacceptable and harmful but acknowledged their own criticisms, admitting they did not adequately address the situation in the room. Smith, who reportedly refused to leave the show, responded in a statement, I accept and respect the Academy's decision. It was uh, a heavy blow, uh, and, you know, something that he accepted in his uh, statement. Senior Variety editor Clayton Davis says the penalty could have been even worse if Smith hadn't resigned from the Academy more than a week ago. He might have been expelled, and maybe he didn't want that state. The worst effect would have been him banned forever and never being able to attend the ceremony again. I'm just look good. And with the star tied to several big-name projects, insiders wonder who will want to work with Smith. No one wants to be associated with that first project out the gate because it's all going to be about this. Now he has to rebuild that legacy and show real remorse for what happened. 
a complicated ending to Hollywood's favorite off-screen drama. Meanwhile, Chris Rock remaining silent since the slap in a statement. The Academy praised the comedian for maintaining his composure. He's been on a comedy tour repeatedly telling audiences he's just not ready to comment yet. Guys, back to you. All right, Steve, thank you for that. And Smith has said he knows he has real work to do. If you're Smith, you're probably a little relieved you didn't lose your Oscar. Yeah, well, you know, there's certainly some other Hollywood legends, I guess, legends is far too generous, who've done things that are far there. worse off the screen, yeah. and they have kept theirs as well. The question will be next year, who delivers the Best Actress Award, right? It's usually the guy who won right. the Best Men, the Best Actor of the Year before. Maybe Chris Rock. Could we'll see. Okay, so that was from the Today Show, uh, and that is from that uh, that's from Saturday, uh, April 9th. Okay, Will Smith banned from Oscars for ten years after Chris Rock's slap. That's at today.com uh, from the Today Show, and the, the the Academy would have drawn a lot of backlash if they took the Oscar back away from Will Smith because there's only been four, if I remember correctly, only four African Americans that have won Best Actor in the past. And here you have this African-American man, and on the night that he wins, well, you end up taking it back from him. So, But once again, the board the board was split. The 54 Board of Governors, 54-member Board of Governors, they were split over whether or not to take his Oscar back or not. Um, so he re- the only statement released from Will Smith in this, after the announcement of uh, the ban is um, Smith responded in a statement saying, I accept and respect the Academy's decision. Okay. Now, so you can check out the rest of this article here from uh, Good Morning America. Um, And let me see something in this. uh, Okay. That was from previously. Okay. Hollywood Reporter has an even better article. Uh, Film Academy... Let's go to this one here quickly from the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Film Academy bans Will Smith from Oscar ceremony for 10 years. And this one from the Hollywood Reporter, they actually have the uh, actual letter, the the statement from the Academy. So you can read that. Um, The okay, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. Uh, You listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the future radio. When we come back, we'll talk about Katanji Brown Jackson. Uh, being confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court. And uh, we'll let you hear what happened in the Senate chamber. And we'll talk about why the Republicans walk out after her confirmation. And then we'll talk about what happened uh, in the Rose Garden on Friday uh, when they had the ceremony uh, for Katanji Brown Jackson. Listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Jeanette Davis is a well-established author with six published books. Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995 and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008 and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama, was published in 2010. Soulful Journey, The Business of Beings, was released in December 2021, and her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry, and Master Being Human, were both published in January of 2022. Jeanette Davis' writings delve 
deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth, letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com. Search for Jeanette Davis and get to know her work today. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. All right, calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Okay, so very quickly here, uh, we're going to clip three, Jalen, just a second, from Roller Martin Unfiltered. Um, check out the article from uh, The Hollywood Reporter uh, as well. Uh, Film Academy... Let me see. What does this say here? Uh, Film Academy bans Will Smith from Oscars ceremony for 10 years. They have the official statement in here also uh, from the Academy. But uh, there's a section here. Uh, okay. The Academy. And then right here, many members of the industry have expressed outrage over Smith's behavior, which he himself calls shocking, painful and inexcusable. Some even called for him to lose the Oscar statuette that he was awarded and or his eligibility for future Oscars. Okay. He could have been expelled from the Academy, which would have been even worse than being banned for 10 years. He could have been expelled. So this could have been a lot worse for him. Um, and then let's see here. Okay. So then they have the uh, official statement down here from uh, uh, president uh, Rubin and uh, Hudson. Uh, of the Academy also. So you can check that, uh, check that out as well. Okay. I want to go to this clip here. This is from Roland Martin unfiltered. Uh, this is from, uh, Friday, uh, April 8th. And we talked about this, uh, for a few minutes on Roland's show. Here's what happened. Let's go to this clip, Jalen. The verdict is in for the motion picture Academy. They are banning Will Smith from attending any Academy events, including the Oscars, for 10 years, the Academy decided today that barring uh, the blockbuster actor will be the consequence of him slapping Chris Rock during the Oscar ceremony last month. The Academy's Board of Governors also accepted the Smith's membership resignation. Uh, Smith also uh, issued a statement where he said that he uh, will accept the punishment uh, from, the, from the Academy uh, as a result uh, of his actions. Uh, if I'm looking for uh, that statement, uh, this is um, so I'm looking looking for it. Uh, of course, remember, he issued an apology on March 28th. Uh, but again, uh, he has said that he accepts uh, their decision. Kelly, it's 10 years too damn long or is it justified? I don't even know how to answer that properly. Easy. Say yes or no. <laughs> I mean, I don't have an opinion on whether it is you know, justified or not. Should he be banned? 
Sure. I mean, if that is the repercussions for slapping another celebrity on stage during Hollywood's biggest night, absolutely. But I also am conflicted with the fact that it seems a tad hypocritical given the history of racism with the Academy. So maybe because he made a huge spectacle and because the media dragged it on and on and on, maybe that's why they felt like they had to give him 10 years. But I can't help but go back to the fact that when uh, Hattie McDaniel was uh, nominated for an Oscar as the first Black woman to ever get an Oscar, she had to come through the back just to accept the award. You know, it, it was just like a lot of hypocrisy there, as like as if this is like the first scandal that the Oscars have ever uh, encountered and that this is the only celebrity that has ever done something so egregious. <clears throat> I mean, in the grand scheme of things, this was not the most egregious thing that uh, has happened at the Oscar Awards. So... Should he have slapped Chris Rock? No. Does he need to be punished? Yes. Whether 10 years is, you know, justified? I mean, it depends on how you look at it. Uh, this is the statement here. I accept and respect the Academy's decision. Uh, Matt, do you believe this is fair and just? No. No, I don't think it's fair and just. I think it's way overboard, and I think it's for the Academy to look like they're actually doing something. We're talking about one of the biggest celebrities in the entire world. He wouldn't get 10 years for this slap if he were actually criminally prosecuted. Uh, obviously, it'd be different in incarceration, but the point is they want to look like they're doing something. It doesn't actually matter. I think it's uh, overkill, and I don't think it has any measurable effect on Will Smith or his career. Uh, Michael? Well, you, Roland, n number one, uh, I thought it was going to be something excessive when I saw the article from CNN on Wednesday saying that the Academy, the Board of Governors, were moving their meeting up from April 18th to April 8th. So I said, I think they're about to lower the boom on them. I, I think this is something excessive. Uh, I reached out to somebody I think knows more about this than me, my girl Nikki Rich, who interviews celebrities. And she said she thought it was excessive also. She's been to the Oscars, things like that. So uh, I think they were trying to send a message as well that something like this would not be tolerated. But I think I think 10 years is excessive. Uh, I think so as well. Uh, I think five years uh, certainly uh, is more than enough. But I think 10 years is indeed excessive as well. You can pause right there. OK, so. Uh, we discussed that briefly uh, on Friday as well. Okay, now I, I want to get to this um, this next story here. Now, this, but you know, once again, this is an example of how actions have consequences. And you know, if you're in a toxic relationship or something like that, I'm not saying Will Smith is, but if you are, it could affect your behavior. Uh, and then we know that. Uh, also, even though eventually in the long run, he's going to be all right. We do know that there are uh, a number of different projects that he's involved in that are being put on hold right now to, you know, see how all this turns out. So we'll see what happens here. Now, I, I want to go to this next story here. And this is uh deal with just Katanji Brown Jackson. So we talked about this on a show let's see was it thursday a thursday show when the confirmation hearing uh uh what was that when the confirmation vote took place okay when the confirmation vote took place so the vote was 53 47 three republicans did the right thing only three three republicans did the right thing 
and uh, uh, voted for Jessica Tanji Brown-Jackson. Um, and we, we talked about this on our Thursday show, but I know uh, we're on two hours earlier on Sunday than we are on Thursday, so a lot of people don't hear uh, the show during the week. If you look at this article here from uh, NBC News, okay, we're going to clip four in just a second, Jalen. Uh, Biden marks historic confirmation of Ketanji Brown Jackson to Supreme Court. Biden marks historic confirmation of Ketanji Brown Jackson uh, to Supreme Court. The Senate confirmed Jackson on Thursday to be the first black woman to serve on the high court with three GOP senators joining all 50 Democratic caucus uh, members. Those three senators that did the right thing, Senator Mitt Romney of Utah, Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, and Senator uh, Susan Collins of Maine. Now, you may be asking, well, what about um, um, what about Senator Tim Scott of um, of South Carolina? He's black. Wouldn't he vote for the sister? <laughs> no, he didn't. We got an interesting article on that also. President Joe Biden hosted Jessica Tanji Brown Jackson at the White House on Friday to celebrate her historic confirmation by the Senate. Uh, to cheers and applause, Biden stood uh, with Vice President Kamala Harris uh, at, and Jackson at the event on the South Lawn. OK, uh, we're going to look back and see this as a moment of real change in American history. Biden said, uh, adding he had thought, uh, adding he had thought about the importance of nominating a black woman to the Supreme Court for a long, long time, he said. Uh, During the confirmation process, we all saw the kind of justice she'll be fair and impartial, thoughtful, careful, precise, brilliant, a brilliant legal mind with a deep knowledge of the law and a judicial temperament. Okay, let's go to let's go to clip number four, uh, Jalen. This is from I think this is from NBC News. Tonight, celebrating history on the high court, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson at a moment centuries in the making. It has taken 232 years and 115 prior appointments for a black woman to be selected to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. But we've made it. An achievement heralded by the first black and South Asian woman vice president. You will inspire generations of leaders. President Biden reveling in the moment and recounting an earlier conversation with Jackson's daughter, Talia. I said to Talia, it's hard being the daughter or son of a famous person. I said, imagine what's like being president. He said, she said, she may be. <laughs> For the president struggling with record inflation, a raging war, and low approval ratings, a rare bipartisan political win, but also condemnation for Senate Republicans after those contentious confirmation hearings. There was verbal abuse, the anger, the constant interruptions. The top Republican dismissing that complaint. Justice Jackson uh, was treated respectfully. We talked about her record and her record only. Jackson, a history maker and a barrier breaker, reciting the poetic words of Maya Angelou. I am the dream and the hope of the place. And casting this as a moment in which all Americans can take great pride. We have come a long way toward perfecting our union. In my family, it took just one generation to go from segregation to the Supreme Court of the United States. 
Peter joining me now. And Peter, she'll be there for the fall term when justices are set to hear some pretty critical cases. Yeah, that's right, Lester. One sworn in, Justice Jackson will not change the ideological balance of the conservative court, but she will be weighing in on several key cases that address affirmative action, voting rights, and religious freedom. Okay, uh, we're going to pick it up there on the other side of the break. I'm going to let you hear what happened on Roland Martin and Filter. We talked about this on Friday as well. Uh, and then also we're going to talk about Amir Locke. Uh, the officer who shot Amir Locke is not going to be charged uh, in his killing in Minnesota. We'll discuss that as well. You listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate. They specialize in two areas of real estate. One, they solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property. And two, they show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with real estate note investing. If you are looking to sell or need to sell your property, here is what they provide. Market value offer, even if you have little or no equity, they typically pay all closing costs, which can be thousands of dollars. They close on a date of the seller's choosing and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing. They take the property in an as-is condition and the seller is not required to make any repairs. Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at AbundantCapitalGroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, the future radio. Okay. Uh, right before the break, we were talking about just Katanji Brown Jackson uh, being confirmed. Uh, that happened on uh, Thursday. That uh, was Thursday, April 7th. We talked about it on our Thursday show. And one of the things um, we talked about, and, and not, not a lot of people know this, but um, we talked about the real reason why some of the Republicans were kept talking about pedophilia and her ruling on cases regarding uh, pedophiles. Okay. Um, how many people remember Pizzagate? 2016, uh, you had Edgar Madison Welch, 
who was following a internet conspiracy theory and he went to uh the comet pizzeria the comet pizza restaurant he was following this internet uh conspiracy theory he's a north carolina man who uh fired an assault rifle inside of the washington dc pizzeria uh the comet pizzeria a uh, comet ping pong restaurant as he he chased down an internet rumor related to Hillary Clinton, okay? He chased down an internet rumor related to Hillary Clinton, okay? So the shooting took place December 4th, 2016 in Washington, D.C. Edgar uh, Madison Welch was 28 years old. And he drove a number of hours, instead of contacting the police about this internet rumor, he took it upon himself to drive a number of hours and he goes to the pizzeria and shoots it up. Prosecutors say he was self-investigating an online conspiracy theory dubbed Pizzagate that claimed that the Comet Ping Pong restaurant was harboring was harboring a child sex trafficking ring with connections to influential Democrats. And they were supposed to have the children in the basement, but there was no basement to the Comet Ping Pong restaurant. Washington police and the FBI denied the theories had any substance. It's more stupid nonsense like QAnon. Okay. And now it's even deeper than this. Check this out. Federal judge Katanji Brown Jackson said Thursday that even though Welch didn't harm anyone, his unsound actions, quote, literally left psychological wreckage, end quote, according to the Associated Press. Katanji Brown Jackson was the federal judge who sentenced this idiot to four years in prison. She was the judge that presided over the over the Pizzagate shooting case. Okay, she was that judge. So some of the Republicans already had it in for her, and they are tapping into the QAnon uh, faction of the Republican Party. This is why they kept talking about these uh, uh, child pornography cases, things like this. But basically, her sentencing fell in line largely with sentencing guidelines. They were just making this stuff up. To and this is going to be a talking point for the 2022 midterm elections. Read the rest of this article here. Now, I want to go uh, to uh, let's see. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, I want to go to this next clip here. And this is from um, Roland Martin Unfiltered. This is this is from Friday. And Roland is speaking with a couple of his uh, panel specifically for uh, the uh, Katanji Brown Jackson and the ceremony that they had uh, at the White House. Let's go to clip uh, four, Jalen. Turn out. I mean, clip five. Turn out. Uh, Glenda, one of the things that uh, I have consistently tried to convey uh, to the audience uh, on, on this show is that, yes, we can be mad, we can be frustrated, we can say we haven't gotten what we wanted, <clears throat> but the reality is this, sitting out is not an option. What we have to understand is that somebody is going to win. And, at that, and then when President Joe Biden said today, that he has appointed more 
black women to the appeals court than any and then all previous presidents combined combined but people have to understand these judges their lifetime they can choose to stay life we had judge we had judge Vanessa Gilmore on the show yesterday she just retired in January but she spent 28 years on the federal bench Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away uh, uh, you know, on the bench. And so we talk, people say, well, man, I don't really see the, 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 how it matters. Guess what? The president can only be there a maximum number of eight years. These judges can be there 20, 30, 40, 50 or more so years. Yeah. President Biden is living his values of diversity and inclusion. And he started that on the campaign trail when he committed to um, nominating a black woman to the Supreme Court. He then committed that he was going to have a woman as a running mate for vice president, and he chose a black woman uh, to be his running mate. His cabinet is one of the most diverse cabinets. On that front row, you had um, Secretary of HUD, Marsha Fudge, sitting on the front row of that, that uh, press conference today. His uh, White House staff is filled of diversity, and particularly black women, um, all the way up to senior level um, staff members, uh, and his administration looks like America. That's progress. We are living in some of the most politically divisive times. And so there's work to be done, as Cliff said. We need to change the, the configuration of our uh, Congress. And then we need to get the work to holding our elected officials accountable and creating the environment for our champions to do, to push progressive policies. So what do we need to do? We need to elect, as much as we celebrate today, we've never elected a black woman governor. Although uh, Kamala Harris ascended to the front of the chamber as the, uh, as the president of the, um, presiding over the U.S. Senate, there was zero black women sitting in the Senate to cast their votes. And so this year in 2020 in November, we have an opportunity to elect governors with an S, black women senators with an S. We have the most uh, number of black women running for office up and down the ballot. Um, and when you have diverse decision-making tables, they make better decisions. And certainly, I believe that Justice um, Brown Jackson is going to show that when you have diverse benches, like the Supreme Court, those um, benches make better legal decisions. The, to uh, to the, uh, that point, in terms, of, in terms of moving forward, Rebecca, uh, as I said, um, she ascends. Um, she says, uh, finally, uh, we are now here. But the point that we have to keep making is more history can actually unfold. Uh, there can be more federal judges, more district judges, more appeals court judges uh, filling the pipeline uh, so it's not just the one. Now is an opportunity for us to keep pressing. And the reality is, I said this last night, You've got critical Senate races. If Democrats are able to expand, hold the majority and expand the majority, we can guarantee that there are more black federal judges. And then there's some sister out there who is younger than uh, Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson who could be appointed. Donald Trump and McConnell, they appointed a 35-year-old white woman who was only 11 years removed from law school. And so people need to understand that Sitting out the election cannot be an option because we must be thinking about the judicial branch and the executive and uh, the uh, congressional offices as well. 
So I run a national nonpartisan voting rights organization. And one thing that I really want to point out here, since the 2020 election, there have been so many laws across the country um, that suppresses the right to vote. And so as we think about the critical races up and down the ballot across the country this year, we still need to urge Congress to pass meaningful voting rights legislation. We have a gutted Voting Rights Act. So I'm happy with the events that unfolded today that um, Justice Kentaji Brown Jackson is a staunch supporter of voting rights. She actually believes in the fundamental right to vote. But we also need Congress to act. We are seven months today away from the general election. We're already seeing that in the primaries that are taking place across the country right now, that some of the people who are trying to register to vote this year, when we look at what happened in Texas um, the other month, tens of thousands of people were denied um, to be able to register to vote because of the new rules that Texas has put into place since the last election. So we really need to lean on Congress and urge Congress to pass meaningful voting rights legislation. But the Detroit, 910 AM Superstation, a division of Adele Media. The views and opinions expressed on any program are those of the producers and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 910 AM Superstation or Adele Media. Welcome back to the African History Network show. All right, the call the numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Okay, so... Um, right before the break, I was sharing an excerpt of Roland Martin and Filter, and he was speaking with uh, a couple of his panelists about uh, this was on Friday uh, about the uh, confirmation of Katanji Brown Jackson and also the ceremony at the White House as well in the Rose Garden. Now, there was a uh, and then there was the article from NBC News from. Uh, this is from 2017 uh, that dealt with Pizzagate. And I was drawing the connection between the some of the Republicans like Ted Cruz, spineless Ted Cruz, Senator Lindsey Graham, but especially Ted Cruz. Um, and then uh, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton that were attacking Judge Jackson uh, over um uh, her handling of a few, they focused in on four cases dealing with pedophiles, connecting that to the Pizzagate conspiracy theory and uh, Edgar Madison Welch, who was the guy who shot up the uh, Comet Pizzeria in Washington, D.C., chasing down the Internet rumor uh, surrounding Hillary Clinton and surrounding children being sold as sex, uh, uh, sex trafficked and uh, being harbored at this pizzeria. They were supposed to be in the basement. There's no basement at the pizzeria. This idiot, instead of contacting the police, contacting the FBI, what does he do? He, he takes his AR-15 and he drives hours. This idiot uh, drove hours to from uh, North Carolina to Washington, D.C. to try to rescue the children. Drove four and a half hours. Judge, now, now, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson was the federal judge who sentenced this idiot to prison. She, she, she sentenced him to four years in prison. And uh, Judge Jackson added that um, Edgar Madison Welch still went ahead with his ill-conceived plot when others warned him not to and that he should be 
in, in that he should have simply contacted law enforcement if he believed the restaurant was engaged in something illicit, okay? Instead of driving more than four and a half hours from his home to Washington, D.C. to rescue the non-existent children, okay? This is what Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson said, okay? So when you connect the dots between the QAnon faction of the Republican Party, you got Republicans who want to run for president like spineless Ted Cruz, can't lion fly in Cancun, Ted Cruz, uh, Tom Cotton of Arkansas, Josh Hawley of Missouri. They're, they're using this to gin up, especially the crazy QAnon followers, okay, for the midterm, 2022 midterm elections. But also, they're going to use this as a springboard for the uh, 2024 presidential election as well. Okay, now I want to go to, um, I want to go to clip number six. I want to go to clip number six because uh, we'll go to that in just a second, uh, Jalen. Clip number six uh, at the 5940 mark uh, because Roland goes to the panel about this and I'm on the panel. Uh, if we look at the uh, article from, uh, I want to look at this article here from, um, uh, this one here from the Washington Post. Okay. Um, which one is this here? Okay. Washington Senate confirms Jackson as first black woman on Supreme Court. Okay. So uh, read this one from the Washington Post. NBC News also has a good one um, as well. And the vote was 53-47. Okay. Now, what's interesting is that when Thurgood Marshall uh, was confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court in 1967. The vote was 69-11, 69-11. He got a lot more uh, Republican support, all right? Uh, it, but now it's uh, only only three Republicans. This is how partisan, how divisive Congress is. And they're towing the line for Donald Trump, all right? This is why the 2022 midterm elections are so crucial. Um the history. So uh, Jackson's tally fell considerably short of those earned by previous trailblazing nominees, such as Thurgood Marshall, the uh, the first black justice who was confirmed 69 to 11 in 1967, or Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman who was confirmed 99 to zero in 1981. Okay, now she is uh, more qualified than anybody else on the Supreme Court. But, uh, you know, this is you only had three Republicans that voted for. So th there was an interesting article from. Um, what was that from? It was dealing with uh, Senator uh, Tim Scott, uh, independent.co.uk, independent.co.uk. And this article, Black Senator calls Joy Reid vile, V-I-L-E, vile, after she slams him for voting against Katanji Brown Jackson. So you had uh, three white Republicans that voted for her, but Senator Tim Scott couldn't find it in, uh, he, he couldn't bring himself to vote for, which is, I mean, you, you would think the three white Republicans would give Tim Scott like some type of cover or, well, I think what it was, uh, I think, uh, Senator Mitch McConnell didn't give him permission to vote. I think that's what it was. 
if we look at this one here quickly from um, the um, from the independent, let's go to this. Then we'll then we'll go to the other clip, uh, Jalen. Um, black senator calls Joy Reid vile after she slams him for voting against Katanji Jackson. The senator calls Miss Reid's critique offensive and ridiculous. Now, first of all, she's married, so it should be MRS instead of MS. Whoever wrote this for the independent, uh, do a little research. Joy, Joanne Reed is married. Uh, the uh, Republican U.S. Senator Tim Scott lashed out. Let's close this ad here. Republican Senator Tim Scott uh, lashed out, lashed out at uh, MSNBC host Joanne Reed um, after she claimed he only voted against Supreme Court nominee Katanji Brown Jackson's confirmation due to influence from white lawmakers uh all accuracy uh okay can i close this out okay they want me to subscribe to something else here hold on i'll try it later okay um all accuracy here not surprised by anything um senator tim scott does he let lindsey graham of south carolina and the sheriff's dog walk him and destroy police reform after pretending to work on it. And now he'll go along with um, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham's barking dog racism against Judge Jackson because he's Tim Scott. Uh, Joanne Reed said of uh, Senator Tim Scott on Tuesday. And we remember Tim Scott went out there and lied about uh, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act and said it defunded the police when it didn't. It did not. The, the International Association of Police Chiefs and the Fraternal Order of Police came out. They put out a, a joint statement that said that the George Floyd Justice and, and Policing Act did not defund the police. And they agreed with they, they agreed with the measures in it. They supported the bill and they actually talked about how it spent more money on policing, which it does. People that think the bill defunds the police, that means you haven't read the bill. The bill actually spends millions more on policing. But it, spends, it does it in a responsible way. That's not me saying it. That's what Senator Cory Booker said, who helped write the bill. The bill spends millions more. It doesn't defund the police. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act actually funds the police. We'll talk about this on the other side of the break. You listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. and She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, 
Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iredify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. All right. Uh, I want to go back to um, the... I want to go back to the article I was looking at, and then we're going to go to um, clip number six here in just uh, just a second here, uh, Jalen. Clip number six from Roland Martin Unfiltered because he goes to his panel. Um, if we look at so this piece here from The Independent deals with remarks from Senator Tim Scott, the only black senator in the Senate. And he did not vote for Jessica Tanji Brown Jackson, who's more qualified than anybody else on the Senate. I mean, any else on on the uh, Supreme Court. And uh, three white Republicans voted for. But Senator Todd, who is rumored wants to run for president in 2024. I hope he does, because he's going to be made a fool of. And he's up for reelection also in 2024. Also, Um, he called in response to Joanne Reed's uh, comments, he uh, called her vile after she slammed him for voting against Jessica Tanji Brown Jackson. Now, uh, the article goes on to say, uh, Lindsay said it himself, it's fine to be black and have ambitions to rise in Lindsay, South Carolina, as long as you, as long as you are conservative enough meaning as long as you do and think what Lindsay and his clan tell you clan with a C, but you could replace it with a K if you wanted to, but clan with a C for these purposes here. Um, meaning as long as you do and think what Lindsay, Senator Lindsey Graham and his clan tell you to, um, uh, she continued sharing a 2020 guardian story, guardian.com, uh, about comments, uh, Lindsey Graham made during a televised campaign event. Two days later, Senator Tim Scott responded to Joanne Reed's comments during an appearance on Fox and friends. Now, Senator Tim Scott is not going to come on MSNBC. He ain't going to go on Joanne Reed's show. He's not going to go on Roland Martin unfiltered. Okay. Um, I don't know why, but he'll, he'll run to Fox and friends. He'll run to Fox news. So Senator Tim Scott said, what is so offensive about Joy is saying is saying is that a black man cannot think for himself. But you're not thinking for yourself. <laughs> Senator Tim Scott is like white supremacy through ventriloquism, as, as Dr. Michael Eric Dyson says. it. He said, I have to follow somebody else. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Well, let's look at this. Following somebody else. Okay. 47 Republicans, 
46 Republicans voted against her, only three voted for. So who are you following? 46 Republicans voted no. Only three Republicans voted yes. So it looks like you're following the majority of Republicans, Tim, Tim Scott. He said, but it reinforces the liberal elite's approach to minorities who will not fall in line and do what they tell us to do. Um, so read the rest of this here. Uh, read the rest of this article. But uh, Tim Scott should go on uh, Joanne Reed's show or come talk to black media. He won't do that. Senator Tim Scott won't do that, okay? He knows he's going to get destroyed. He will not do that. He'll run the CBS News. He'll run the Face the Nation. He'll run the Fox and Friends. He ain't going to go to not. He, he, he may go on uh, Larry Elder's show. That ain't black media. He may go on Larry Elder's show, conservative Larry Elder. He may do that. He, he's not going to go on Joanne Reed's show, MSNBC, anything like that. He definitely won't go on Reverend Al Sharpton's show. Uh, he won't go on Roland Martin unfiltered. I, I don't even think he'll do Don Lemon's show. Uh, maybe he has, but I don't think even think he'll do Don Lemon's show. But okay, uh, let's go to clip. Uh, let's go to clips. Let me see if I got this queued up. I want to go to clip six. So, um, this is from Friday also. And, um, hold on, let me. This. Let's go to uh, let's do this. Let's go to uh, the phone lines first. Let's go to Larry on line one, who's been holding. Hey, Larry, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from. Thanks for holding. Uh, I'm from Detroit. From uh, Detroit. Yeah, okay, yeah, go ahead. Michael. Thanks for holding. Yeah, I'm I'm getting a really loud echo. You're getting a really loud echo. Yes. Mm, I'm not sure why you're getting a loud echo, but. Um, you are, let's see, hold on, let's just check something here. Um, okay, you're not on speakerphone, are you? No, I'm not. Okay. Check it, hey, do me a favor, check the line, um, check the line there, Jalen. said he's getting an echo. All right, Larry, go ahead and speak. Hello? Yeah, he said go ahead and speak, Larry. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Michael, listen, uh, you, you said that, uh, you know, the midterms are, you know, something that, um, you know, that's really, you know, that really is so very vital and important. But, yeah, yeah, not only that, but uh, the, the types of qualifications that uh, that uh, Judge Kataji uh, Brown-Jackson has, that, that, that's also, you know, who could meet those types of qualifications that she's met? She's probably one of the most qualified people on the Supreme Court. Do you think that you're going to, after her, after taking her through such a, uh, <laughs> I don't know what you even call that. You said, but, uh, you said you, I miss something, something that you said, Larry. You said, do I think they're going to go after her or something? You, what, 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 what no, no. Do you think that they'll ever elect another black person, period, with her qualifications? If they took her through everything and she's got all of those qualifications, she's probably one of the most qualified Supreme Court justices ever to be elected to the bench. Okay, so and they took her through what they took her through. So do you think mm -hmm. after her, do you think that they'll ever elect a male or female black person to sit on the Supreme Court? Okay. I think what we need to do, we need to be really concerned about that because this is why. Mm -hmm. Because if she's so qualified to do that, mm -hmm. okay? To, to sit up, to sit on the bench with those qualifications that she has, all, all the things she has going for her, 
a city that he actually sat, you know, in those in that position or in, in a position like that. Mm-hmm. But then, if someone else is going to follow her, let's say that Biden has to elect someone else, who can he put there? Oh, there's a number of people he could. There's a number of people who could. No, there's a number of people. No, Larry, 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 Larry. There's a number of people he could put there. Leandra Kruger, uh, J. Michelle Childs. There's a number of of African American judges. He may he may may nominate one of those people, uh, Michael, but they're not going to put her there. Put them there. And the reason why they're not because they set the bar so high for Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson. And no other person has those type of qualifications. You don't have to have. No, 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 no. Larry, slow down. You don't. Okay. You don't have to be as good as just Katanji Brown Jackson to be on the Supreme Court because the previous, most likely, the previous 115 Supreme Court justices didn't have the same qualifications as her. So you don't have to be. You don't have to be. As, as good as her to be on the Supreme Court. No, the other the other eight on the Supreme Court. Have, you, no, just a second, just a second. The other eight don't have to don't the uh, 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 the other eight aren't are not as qualified as her. What's important, and Senator Lindsey Graham said this during the confirmation hearings. He said if Republicans get back control of the Senate, they're not going to be any more confirmation hearings like this. Okay, he said this. Mitch McConnell basically said this when he was interviewed by Axios this past week. Mitch McConnell basically said the same thing. If Republicans get back control of the Senate, people have to understand the Senate is the branch that that, that holds the confirmation hearings, not the House of Representatives. If the, yeah. if the if Republicans get back control of the Senate, they will shut that down just like they did Merrick Garland. But in 2014, Democrats lost control of the U.S. Senate. In 2016, when President Barack Obama nominated Merrick Garland, they did not hold. Mitch McConnell was in control of the Senate. The Senate majority leader controls when the confirmation hearing takes place or if there's a confirmation hearing or if there is not one. They, they did not have a confirmation hearing for for Merrick Garland. And after a year, that nomination expires. They will block it just like they did 103 federal bench nominations that President Obama did also. They did not, they, well, they, Michael, they blocked those as well. Go ahead. Michael, here's the other, here's the other part that I feel threatened by. I, I, I feel more threatened by. We don't even know it's black people. We do not know what her stances are. On, uh, for example, the, uh, uh, these whole issues about redistricting. I mean, things that are really relevant to black people, we don't even know what that judge's stance well, are on those she's been a- And not being in the majority. And we are going to have to find out after these things are actually presented to the court, if they happen to get there to be heard. We don't know what her positions are or her stance on on issues that are critical to black people. Okay, so so okay, thanks for calling. So she's she's been a champion on voting rights, civil rights, and she's going to be much better than Clarence Thomas. I tell you that right there. Okay, so uh, we're coming up here on the break. Uh, you listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. 
STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. Soul in Motion, celebrating 38 years in the arts. This energetic ensemble of dancers and drummers was started by percussionist Michael Friend and is led by choreographer, associate director Pam Lassiter. Based in the Washington, D.C. area, Soul in Motion is now accepting bookings for Black History Month, Juneteenth, and summer festivals in 2022. Soul in Motion is also available for more intimate events like naming ceremonies and weddings. To find out more or book your date, call 240-452-1349 or send an email to info at soulinmotion.org. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Soul in Motion, celebrating our history, our culture, our future. Soul in Motion, theater, African dance, and drumming since 1984. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910A on the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. All right, it is uh, Sunday, April 10th, 2022, and we are live. All right, I want to go to uh, this clip here. This is from uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, this is from Friday, April 8th, and um, I was on this panel. We were talking about the um, confirmation hearing, but also the uh, ceremony that took place in the Rose Garden. Let's go to this clip, Jalen. Folks, about an hour ago, the White House released the first official portrait of Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson. This is it right here. Uh, that is her first official portrait. There, of course, there will be uh, the, the actual Supreme Court photo once she is sworn in and she is actually uh, provided her Supreme Court justice robe. My panel, Matt Manning, civil rights attorney, Kelly Bethea, communication strategist, Michael M. Hotep, host the African History Network show. Uh, I also, also hope folks watching understand uh, what you just witnessed is what happens when you support <clears throat> black-owned media. Uh, right. Because just so y'all know, uh, the White House, at the, at the event, we were all behind the barricades. And when it was over, they would not let us actually go interview the people who were attending. Uh, I was not particularly happy with that. Yes, I've already made my feelings known about that. I said it kind of don't make any sense having all these folks here. We can't actually talk to them. Uh, so we had to actually leave the White House grounds, walk. Lauren, Lauren, Lauren Burke and I walked all the way around to the up. Literally, the entrance was like right there. But we had to literally go out the White House, go all through the front to the side, uh, to capture uh, those folks there. And so that's what we did. Uh, and there were, there were no other media out there. And so uh, it was important, uh, for, uh, I felt, for us to hear from those voices, the people who were sitting in there. Uh, and so th that was important. So when y'all support us, uh, we were able to buy the cameras, send staff, in this case, that was me, uh, to do these things. That's why it's important, because otherwise, if you watch the other network shows, 
all you're going right. to see are just the speeches from the platform. No, the reaction was also critically important. Uh, and Kelly, I'll start with you. That was the thing that uh, you saw that, you know, especially uh, each one of those black women, uh, they remarked about what uh, they what they saw, what they heard. Uh, and, and when she um, quoted Maya Angelou, that also uh, really brought it home. It really did. Um, I've been kind of sort of emotional most of this afternoon, uh, primarily because of of this speech and just seeing what justice, uh, soon to be Justice Jackson, Brown, uh, Brown Jackson has gone through. Um, it, it just was a reflection of what I've seen so many other Black women go through trying to get to where they are in their respective careers and their respective positions. The vitriol, the ridicule, the belittling, the diminishing of accomplishments um, on, on the side of the bigots. And then on the side that is right, the side of the Black woman trying to get to where she is, the grace that she had to exhibit, the poise she had to exhibit, the, the joy she had to exhibit in order to to be presentable and and be deemed worthy, even though she already is, the level of 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 excellence was just above and beyond in those confirmation hearings. And while she was already worthy, it was evident during these confirmation hearings that she was the one who was supposed to be on this bench. And finally, seeing that. It was a bipartisan support, even though it was only, what, three Republicans uh, who voted for her. The fact that there was some modicum of decency on the GOP side to confirm her, the fact that she has been affirmed by the president of the United States and every single colleague who matters in her regard, um, it just felt like anything is possible today. This was a wonderful way to end a stressful week, for sure. And I can only imagine what she is feeling as the first Black woman uh, Supreme Court justice. I am so excited for her. I am excited to read her opinions. I am excited to hear recordings of her on the bench. I am excited to uh, read the books that inevitably will come out on her behalf, uh, books that she will write. Um, I'm excited for the law clerks that are going to be learning under her, who will be um, under her tutelage, who will be out there in the world after their clerkships with her to even make better law, to interpret the law better, to do whatever they want to do in their respective careers, all because this one woman was brave enough to stand up to basically just white supremacy and bigotry. And not only did she stand up to it, she succeeded and stepped over it. And it is just a overwhelming feeling to know that it is possible and that she's going to continue this work. You know, um, Matt, I, I, I really hope, and I've been watching the comments and I've been Looking at how, looking at how people have been commenting, and and I think and you got a lot of people today who are cynical for for their own for own reasons, but but I really think brothers out there who are watching us, who are listening to us, need someone need to chill the hell out to understand 
that this has always been a paternalistic country. Now we talk about we talk about white supremacy. We also have to understand it is paternalistic. Because when you go back to those reconstruction amendments, folks say black folks got the right to vote. No, black men got the right to vote. Women still did not have the right to vote. So, brothers, men need to be cognizant of what moments like this mean, what it meant when Sandra Day O'Connor became the first woman on the Supreme Court, when uh, Sonia Sotomayor became the first uh, Latina on the Supreme Court, and Ketanji Brown-Jackson becoming the first African-American woman on the Supreme Court. I think you, you nailed it, Roland. I actually teach constitutional law to undergrads. And what people don't know is the level of scrutiny that's used when a case involves suspect classifications of women is lower than any other level uh, relative to that, to that uh, importance. It's intermediate scrutiny rather than strict scrutiny. And your point is well taken in that this is not about us. This is about black women and this is about black women's excellence yet again being on display, being devalued but nonetheless carrying the day. Um, as Proverbs 18, Proverbs 18, 16 says, a man's gift makes room for him. And Judge uh, Jackson's gift or Justice Jackson's gift has made room for her. At every stage of her practice, she has been impeccable. Uh, we have seen that she was impeccable at Harvard. She was impeccable in the law review. She's been impeccable as a public defender and on the bench for many years and in many different areas of service. So brothers need to chill, and this needs to be about her and about the black women that have given us life, that continue to give us life, continue to pour into us, and continue to be at the highest level of excellence wherever they are. This is just emblematic of all the sisters that we know who have done this kind of work at this level and who haven't always gotten the credit. And thankfully, she understood that and gave the credit not only to the ancestors, but to those with whom she stands today. You know, Michael, a lot of times you'll hear <clears throat> men, when they have daughters, all of a sudden begin to mm -hmm. see... Uh, why these things matter. Um, I don't have children. I don't need mm -hmm. to have children to know what this means. I don't need to say, oh, I have uh, a daughter, so now I see what it means to have a woman, a black woman, ascend uh, to the highest court in the land. And uh, it, it, that, that has to be stated. That has to be uh, said. I remember when Loretta Lynch uh, was being uh, her confirmation hearing as the first black female attorney general was being held up. And I saw black women going to the U.S. Capitol, uh, marching and protesting. And I kept saying, where in the hell are the brothers? Where are the black male civil rights leaders? They were holding news conferences, but they were not leading black men to Capitol Hill demanding for her to be confirmed. And so uh, I put the call out to Reverend Jamal Bryant, to Jeff Johnson, and we organized 200 Brothers for Loretta Lynch because I felt people needed to see black men standing up for a black woman trying to become attorney general. And that's sort of how I see this as well. Yeah, you know, Roland, that's, uh, I think, an extremely important point. And for us to really understand history also. You talked about the uh, 15th Amendment, February 3rd, 1870. It's only for African-American men. It wasn't until the 19th Amendment, 1920, 
that women got the right to vote, but that was mainly largely white women because in those former Confederate states where they still had Jim Crow laws and, and poll taxes and things like this, African-American women couldn't vote either. Okay, so uh, and then when you look at the civil rights movement and you know this, Roland, you've talked about this as well. Uh, you talked about Ella Baker, who left the SCLC that she helped co-found in 1957 with Dr. King because she was passed over for a permanent uh, leadership position because Dr. King and others didn't think that women should have leadership positions in the movement. So when we when we look at the civil rights movement, one of the things that does not get talked about is that the, the sexism in the civil rights movement. OK. The, the civil rights movement was largely led by male Protestant uh, reverends, ministers, things like this. So there was sexism, even though we love Dr. King and, and others and Ralph Abernathy, things like this. There was sexism there. So we're still dealing with a lot of a lot of that today. Uh, so, you know, this is monumental, but we have to connect this to the vote. Every Everything is connected to the vote. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources in the writing of law, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. Here, and, and all you have to do is look at the Republicans who walked out of the Senate chambers yesterday after she was confirmed. The only one that was left behind was Mitt Romney, who voted for her, and he was clapping. You see all these white men walking out in disgust, okay, because that was not supposed to happen and then you look at the comments from Senator Mitch McConnell when he was interviewed by Axios, and he's telling you, look, if, if Republicans take back control of the Senate, they're going to block any more Supreme Court nominations, but also federal bench nominations as well. So we have to, we can celebrate today, but this is a war. And these, and these, these, this white nationalist party, they're playing for keeps. We don't understand history. Indeed, indeed. All right, folks, got to go to a break. Uh, All right, pause it right there, man. Pause it right there. Hey, hey, pause it right there. All right, hey, Jalen, man, I like that Imhotep guy. We need to get him on the show next Sunday. All right, when we come back from the break, I want to go back to, I want to go to clip seven when we come back from the break. Uh, so I want, I'm going to want you all to hear the final vote in the Senate uh, that took place that was 5347. And then I want to go to this clip because uh, the dean um, uh, from uh, uh, the sister from Howard University, uh, Howard University's law school, is going to talk about the significance of uh, this confirmation as well. You listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the future radio. Okay. Um, okay. I just sent you uh, this clip here on the mirror lock, uh, Jalen. So uh, cue that up, please. Also, I'm going to try to squeeze that in. Okay. The previous segment that I just played um the the my two co-panelists kelly uh bethia and matt manning they are both attorneys they are both attorneys so they understand the significance about just jackson's confirmation more than the average person all right and so i want i want you to understand that and matt manning teaches constitutional law as well okay so um let's see i want to go to uh this clip here, Jalen, I think this is clip uh, seven. Is this, uh, clip number seven. I want to go to clip number seven. Queued up at the 16 second mark. U.S. Senate confirms Judge Katanji Brown Jackson for the U.S. Supreme Court. This is from uh, C-SPAN. And this is how the final count went. This is the uh, uh, Senate confirmation vote 
Let's go to this clip, Jalen. On this vote, the yeas are 53, the nays are 47, and this nomination is confirmed. Under the previous order, <laughs> the motion to reconsider is considered made and laid upon the table, and the President will immediately be notified of the Senate's action. Madam President, very happily, I note the absence of a quorum. <laughs> the clerk will call the roll. Ms. Baldwin. Okay, so what happened was you, you could see on the screen, you could see Senator Mitt Romney standing there by himself clapping. You saw a little Ted Cruz walk behind him and walk in the other direction. You saw a bunch of old white Republicans walking out uh, after the uh, uh, final vote was read, okay, because they're, they're, they are disgusted. All right, so <laughs> I like to see things like that. All right, I want to go to... Um, this next clip here. So uh, we're going to the clip from Deadline White House. Uh, Jalen, the confirmation of Judge Katanji Jackson opens an eruption of possibility. Uh, you're going to hear from the dean and professor of Howard University's law school, Daniel Holly Walker, uh, who is going to talk about the significance of this. Once again, she has a law degree. She's an attorney. She understands the significance of this more so than the average person. Let's go to this clip, Jalen. The yeas are 53, the nays are 47, and this nomination is confirmed. An historic vote in the U.S. Senate today confirming Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the United States Supreme Court. Of course, she becomes the first black woman to sit on the U.S. Supreme Court. Here was, was uh, Judge Jackson watching the vote with President Joe Biden, who nominated her just 42 days ago. They watched that moment we just played you together. Bipartisan support in the end for her place on the nation's highest court from all 50 Democrats and three Republicans, which these days is not nothing, much more than the simple Senate majority than she needed. Judge Jackson will officially be sworn in this summer when Justice Stephen Breyer's term ends. It's a major win for the country, for the president, for representation, and for Democrats overall. She faced opposition from every Republican who sits 
on the Senate Judiciary Committee amid six weeks of polarizing and offensive attempts by some to paint her as some sort of left-wing radical soft on crime, Republicans unsuccessfully trying to discredit her impressive background and record, bringing more judicial experience to the job than any sitting justice when they were nominated. Let's bring into our coverage Danielle Holly-Walker, Dean and Professor of Howard University Law School. Here with us at the table, it's so nice to say that, Eddie Glaude, Chair of the Department of African American Studies at Princeton University, also an MSNBC political analyst. And Joe Lockhart is here. He's former White House Press Secretary for President Bill Clinton. It's a pleasure to have you both. But let me start with you, Danielle, your reaction to today's confirmation. It was just a really exciting moment. I was in our moot courtroom with, in a packed moot courtroom with my students. 70% uh, of my students are black women. Um, there was a huge celebration as we saw the confirmation occur. I think this is an important moment for all Americans to see that the doors of opportunity are open at every level of the legal profession. And to have such an outstanding, brilliant jurist like Judge Jackson be the first black woman on the Supreme Court and also her background as a public defender. I think there is so much to celebrate on this historic day. Danielle, tell me more about what your students said, because I've seen some reporting um, from some women that, that reports have talked to saying, it's fine, I'm, I'm fine to be second. But I know my career, I, I saw Joe's colleague, Dee Dee Myers, at the podium, and I thought, oh my God, I could do that. Maybe not at the White House, but I could do a job like that. It's, it's a huge thing. T t tell me more what you heard from your students. I mean, it's a really big deal because we have to remember that only 70 black women in the history of the United States have ever served in the federal judiciary. So this isn't just about one Supreme Court seat. It's about the idea that black women should be serving at every level of our federal judiciary and every level in our state judiciary. And I think it really gives my students and students around the country and people, little girls around the country, the opportunity to say, even though I may never become a Supreme Court justice, I do have the opportunity to become a judge, to become a law firm partner, to become a federal public defender. All of the things that they saw in Justice Jackson's background, they now know that they can also do those things. And I agree, Nicole, it's a powerful moment. I was the first, I was the first black woman on a faculty at a public school in the South. Um, and it meant a great deal. I wasn't the last. And I think that's what this really means today. She will be the first, but she will not be the last. And it is a very powerful moment for that reason. And okay, Danielle, from the sublime to the um, right there, ugly. Pause it right there. Okay, you can check that out. Uh, just pause it right. Pause the clip right there. Okay, stop. Stop the clip. Okay. All right. Um, everybody, check out this article here from. Um, this is from New York Times. We belong in these spaces. Jackson's successors reflect on her nomination. This is from the New York Times, and they spoke with African-American female law school students at Harvard University, okay? And uh, one of the things that they talk about in here is that only 4.7% of lawyers are African-American and just 70 African-American women have ever served as a federal judge, representing fewer than 2% of all such judges. Now, Joe Biden has nominated more African-American women to the federal court of appeals than all previous presidents combined. That's an example of how elections have consequences. Okay. All right. Uh, so in that clip uh, that I just played, you heard 
uh, the dean of uh, Howard University is in this piece on the mirror locks. I talked about it on my Thursday show. Uh, you can support us, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash, cash App. And uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Right now, it's correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you uh, tomorrow. Peace. Okay, stand by, everybody. Stand by. Okay. Um, uh, restream, stop broadcasting for a minute, so I had to restart the broadcast. Okay, I want to go to, so uh, once again, check out the article from uh, the New York Times. And I talked about this early in the week. Um, name of this article is uh, We Belong in These Spaces. Jackson's successors reflect on her nomination. Okay, and they, they spoke with um, African-American female law at Harvard University, at Harvard University. Uh, for for this piece, okay. So Wednesday, um, April six, we got the news about uh, a mere lock, and no charges in the uh, killing of a mere lock in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, back in uh, February. So I talked about this on our Thursday show. But uh, I want to go to this article quickly, and I want to go to this clip here uh, that deals with this. And we dealt with the press conference that was held by uh, uh, Hennepin County Prosecutor um, uh, and uh, also um, Minnesota State Prosecutor Keith Ellison. If we look at this piece here, police won't be charged in death of a mere lock. Black man shot in no-knock raid. There's insufficient admissible evidence to file criminal charges in this case. Hennepin County Attorney Michael Freeman and Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison said. Now, this is from um, this is from uh, April 6, 2022. This is from April 6, 2022. Uh, no charges will be filed in the death of Amir Locke, 22-year-old. African-American man who was shot by a SWAT team officer during a raid uh, with a no-knock uh, warrant in Minneapolis in February, uh, officials announced on Wednesday. Hennepin County uh, Attorney Michael Freeman and Minnesota uh, State's Attorney Keith Ellison said in a general statement that after a thorough review Quote, there is insufficient admissible evidence to file criminal charges in the case. Inadmissible, there's insufficient admissible evidence, ins insufficient admissible evidence to file criminal charges in the case. Uh, Locke's mother, Cam Wells, said Wednesday afternoon after the decision was announced, I'm not disappointed. I am disgusted with the Minneapolis. Now, the statement from um, Mike Freeman, uh, the county attorney, and Keith Ellison, state's attorney, said the state would be unable to disprove, quote, beyond reasonable doubt, end quote, elements of Minnesota's use of deadly force statute that would have authorized use of force by Mark Hanneman, the officer who shot uh, Amir Locke. The burden of proof is on the prosecution.
Hanneman in written statement said he feared for his life. His body camera showed a Mirlock's gun pointed in his direction. Now, the uh, Keith Ellison made the point that they weren't saying that Amir deliberately pointed the gun at the officer because he probably didn't even know that these were police coming in. He had a sheet over his head. He was probably asleep. His mother said he was a sound sleeper. But the uh, body camera footage, and they talked about this at the press conference, show the gun pointed in the officer's direction. Okay. So officers are within the law to use deadly force if they are encountered with deadly force. Um, they also said the state would be unable to prove beyond a reasonable doubt a criminal charge against any other officer involved in the decision-making that led to the death of Amir Locke. Locke was killed February 2nd after officers stormed into the apartment he was in and found him on the couch covered in the blanket. Minneapolis police said Officer Hanneman opened fire after he saw the barrel of a gun come into view from under the blanket. Um, Locke was shot three times. Um, County Attorney Mike Freeman and uh, State's Attorney Keith Ellison said that under Minnesota law, peace officers or police officers are authorized to use deadly force in the line of duty to protect other officers or other people from death or great bodily harm. They said at the news conference after the announcement that Locke's hand was seen holding a firearm, although his finger was not on the trigger. We've talked about that here before. His finger was on the barrel of the gun. His finger was not on the trigger. Now, we know they should um, also, the, um, the mayor has banned uh, no-knock warrants uh, it appears permanently after after this incident. We know that they were serving uh, uh, a, a warrant for uh, the St. Paul uh, Minneapolis Police Department. The St. Paul Minneapolis Police Department did not request a no-knock warrant. The Minnesota Police Department requested a no-knock warrant. Okay, Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. The Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, police department requested a no-knock warrant. In the statement, they said Officer Handyman perceived the movements as a threat of death or great bodily harm. Amir Locke was not the suspect in the investigation, had no criminal background or anything like that. He's just wrong place, wrong time. Um, okay, I want to go to this clip here from... Uh, NBC News. Let's go. Let me cue this back up here. Just a second here. So read that article. Also, there's a good article from the Washington Post uh, on this as well. Let me cue this clip up here. Uh, okay, hold on. Let me get the right clip. Just a second here. I had the right clip in it. Uh, let me back up. It advanced to another one. OK, 
Okay, this is from, um, okay, no charges filed against Minneapolis police. This is what I want. Okay, we'll let that queue up here. So the standard, I think it's in this article here, but the one in uh, the, uh, the one from the Washington Post is even more detailed. The standard is what a reasonable officer would do in a situation. Now, I've said before, also the laws need to be changed as well. The laws need to be changed as well. This one right here from the Washington Post. Okay, this is a really good article that gives um, more detail, more background information. Uh, this one from, let me see here. This one from the Washington Post. Uh, police won't be charged in shooting up a mirror lock during no-knock raid. Uh, April 6, 2022, okay? And one of the things they talk about in here is um, uh, Keith, uh, State's Attorney General Keith Ellison described Locke as a victim, Amir Locke as a victim, and said the man never should have been called a suspect. But he and um, Mike Freeman County uh, Prosecutor Mike Freeman repeatedly said they had to evaluate the case from the perspective of how a reasonable officer, a reasonable, reasonable police officer would react at the scene. And that's based upon the law, Minnesota state law dealing with use of force. Um, let me see. Killing is OK. All right. Uh, let's go to this clip here from uh, NBC News. learned that no charges we are following breaking news out of minneapolis where we've just learned that no charges will be filed against police in the death of amir Locke, a black man killed during no knock warrant nbc news correspondent shaquille brewster has been following the story for us chad bring us up to speed for people who are just tuning into this case i mean who was amir Locke and how was he killed well, Amir Locke was 22 years old and he was killed on February 2nd of this year as Minneapolis police executed a no-knock search warrant on an apartment in which he was staying. Now, we got new details of the actual investigation and what happened. You're seeing the body camera there. That was the morning of February 2nd as Minneapolis police were assisting the St. Paul Police Department in executing a search warrant involving a homicide investigation. Now, Amir Locke, he was not named in that warrant. He was not a suspect in this case, but he was staying on the couch. He was sleeping on the couch of someone potentially connected to that investigation. And you see in that video, he was under the couch and as police, or he was under a blanket on the couch and as police enter the apartment, he uh, came up from that blanket and police say a barrel of the gun was pointed in the direction of an officer. So that is the case that uh, you saw back in February. It led to significant protests. It led to a ban, immediate ban on or moratorium on no-knock warrants in the city of Minneapolis. And today we have that information, that news from the Hennepin County attorney and then the attorney general for the state of Minneapolis saying that no charges will be filed against the officers involved in that raid. 
And can you can you stay on that point just for a minute here? I mean, why has the Minnesota Attorney General decided uh, to file criminal charges against the officers, declined to file criminal charges against the officers? Yeah, and I'll read a bit from that statement, but before I do, one thing that we heard from both of those uh, leaders, the leader of the state investigative body and the county investigative body, they said that Amir Locke was a victim here. They made that very clear, and they underscored again that he was not a suspect in this case. They said, quote, he should be alive today, and his death is a tragedy. But later on, and you see there was a press conference that they just wrapped up in the past couple of minutes. Later on, they detailed that after a thorough review of all available evidence, however, there is insufficient admissible evidence to file criminal charges in this case. They essentially explained that their thorough review showed that the gun was at one point pointed in the direction of an officer. Remember, this was a raid that happened at about 645 in the morning. It appeared as if Amir Locke was sleeping and it was a no-knock raid. But it's not their job, they say, to evaluate the uh, intentions of the victim in this case. Instead, they have to approach it from the position of a reasonable officer. And they said in that instance, a reasonable officer had a right to fear for his life. Life. Okay, so check out this article here from um, check out this article here from NBC News. That clip is in this article. Then also this one here from um, Washington Post as well. That goes more in depth into this and also understanding uh, Minnesota state law. Police won't be charged in shooting of a mirror lock during no-knock raid, okay? So check this one out uh, as well. All right. Uh, you can, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network. We definitely need your support. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. So it's. I know people can send it through YouTube. It's better if you send it to Cash App or PayPal because YouTube takes a third of the donation and they only pay out once a month, okay? Um, and then you have to um, you have to reach $100 in donations before they pay out. So they hold it for some time. So the Cash App or PayPal, we get it instantly, all right? This is our official Cash App account, dollar sign, the AHN show. Through Cash App, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. We have the information on our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. So uh, uh, when you go to our Cash App account, the official account is dollar sign the AHN show, S H O W. It says Michael and shows my picture there. These other ones here are fake African History Network Cash App accounts. I'm trying to get them shut down. Uh, and we have the link here, and then we have the uh, yellow donate button for PayPal also. You can register for the online classes that I teach on Saturdays and Sundays from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. And then also Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Okay. Uh, and we deal with thousands of years of history, what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. You can watch, uh, we have 10 weeks of the class on demand. We're gonna do at least one more class, but the class is, is discounted. It's regularly $130, it's on sale $60. So as soon as you register, 
you can start watching content on demand. We have 10 weeks of the class uh, on demand. Watch at your own pace. Even after the course is over with, you can you still have access to the full class. You can still go back, watch the full course uh, as, as much as you want to. So it doesn't expire or anything like that. And then on uh, Sunday, I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968, okay? And uh, uh, that class, we do a history starting in 1803 uh, up to the Civil War, and then we do a Reconstruction, Jim Crow era, Civil Rights Movement, um, Black Power Movement, uh, uh, Civil Rights Movement, Black Power Movement, Great Migration, all of that history, okay? We have a bundle pack. You can register for both classes for $100, regularly uh, $260. All right, so we have the information around right the homepage of our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips. Uh, you can use this information with your children. I would say the information is PG-13, okay? You can use this information with your children also. So we have the uh, course bundle. You get both classes for $100. And we'll post this link here as well. All right, and then you can, uh, April 30th, Saturday, April 30th through Sunday, March 1st, the uh, One Africa Power and Unity Conference is taking place uh, at the Double Tree Hotel uh, in Detroit. So we're going to put this website on our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. I just posted the link here. You can register for the conference. You can come in person or you can... Um, live stream it from around the world live stream it from around the world so they have tickets between 50 to 135 dollars it's a two-day conference and you're going to have uh some of our great scholar warriors there uh dr linda jeffries dr rosalind jeffries his wife professor jane small dr jeffries and uh, dr linda jeffries professor jane small two of my teachers you're going to have dr chike okua uh infidushi jahutimas uh, Dr. Malefi Keti Asante, Jabari Osazi, uh, Dr. Maulu, Dr. Maulana Karinga. Um, these scholars are going to be doing presentations, having workshops, things like this. It's a two-day conference, okay? Uh, so this at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, Hapi presents One Africa Power and Unity Conference. And some of the people in Detroit saw the uh, screening of the Hapi, the role of economics and development of African civilization. We did this in uh, September 2021 at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African-American History. We had the screening of uh, Hapi uh, and Dr. Linda Jeffries was there also. I was the uh, moderator of the panel discussion. Okay. Uh, so we'll have that at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can also visit HapiFilm.com. Hapi, H-A-P-I, HapiFilm.com. All right, look, we have to get out of here. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Give us a heart. Give us a like on this broadcast. Uh, we have to get out of here. Remember, the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now, it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. 
The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry, is larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me and she's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Jeanette Davis is a well-established author with six published books. Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995 and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008 and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama, was published in 2010. Soulful Journey, The Business of Beings, was released in December 2021 and her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry, and Master Being Human were both published in January of 2022. Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth, letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com. Search for Jeanette Davis and get to know her work today. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate. They specialize in two areas of real estate. One, they solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property. And two, they show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with real estate note investors. If you are looking to sell or need to sell your property, here is what they provide. Market value offer, even if you have little or no equity, they typically pay all closing costs, which can be thousands of dollars. They close on a date of the seller's choosing, and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing. They take the property in an as-is condition and the seller is not required to make any repairs. 
Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at AbundantCapitalGroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. <laughs> 